Welcome to this episode of Forgiving the Girl Inside, A Matter of the Heart. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan, and this is May of 2022. We are doing a podcast blast series titled Sharing the Secret, where this month, beautiful, courageous women are coming on post-abortion, miscarriage, or loss of a child, sharing their healing journey stories. Today, we have the beautiful Debbie. She is a... Um, she has lost her son to mental illness and addiction. Um, she has transformed her life by turning her pain into purpose by helping other parents of teens and young adults with mental illness and or addiction. She has been on a journey of love, which includes raising three children as a single mom. Her oldest son was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder and was became addicted to drugs and alcohol. And she lost him when he was 26. Through that experience, she has opened up and shared her journey so that others may be healed too. So thank you so much, Debbie, for your willingness to share your story. Um, tell us what was life like? You were a single mom with three kids. You had a lot, of, lot going on with that. Were they all the same ages, like within a year apart? Or Yeah, well, thank you for inviting me to speak on your podcast. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I, I raised three kids. They were all 20 months apart, actually. So they were really close in age and, um, they were really close. And because their father was, it was a good distance away geographically and also emotionally. I think that was all the more reason my kids and I were all so close with each other. So we were just a really close family. Um, and yeah, there were definitely, a lot of challenges um, with my, my son's diagnosis and, and his addiction. And we were all really loving and supportive of him. Yeah, that must have been hard to watch, especially at such, such a young age. Was it something that you recognized right away? Or is it something that hit like in the teens? He was, was he fine up to that? Or was it something that you saw signs of as he was growing? You know, that's such a great question. Um, he was, it, it literally hit age 17. Um, he came to me one day and he was, he told me about being suicidal and he described how he was going to, how he wanted to kill himself. And I, I just still remember that day. Like if it was, you know, it was nine years ago, but I remember it if, if, as if it was now. Um, and I, you know, we got in touch with the doctor and, you know, she called over to the psychiatric hospital. We got him a spot there and, he was there for almost a month. And, and that was basically the turning point of when our lives changed. Um, I mean, honestly, as a child and as an early teen, life was really pretty normal. I mean, he played sports, he was social and um, yeah, it was almost, it felt sudden, but I, I think that it was probably coming on for maybe up to a year prior, but, but not over the years. So it's, it's interesting because it was really pretty sudden. Yeah, that must have been devastated as a mom to see your your oldest boy who made you a mom go through such a struggle, difficult time. And was there ever a time where you blamed yourself that you didn't, you know? I think sometimes I worried, like, what did I, what could I have done? Like, what could I have done differently, like raising him? Like, did, did something I do raising him? Like, how, like, how could this happen? Like, what happened? Like, why is this happening? And, and like, did I have a part in it? And what could I have done differently? So, 
um, there was that part. And I think that was just part of, part of me sort of is looking like, how am I responsible? Sort of like an over responsibility, like, how am I responsible for this? Um, And really, I was told that I wasn't. Right. And a lot of times we just blame ourselves because we're, we're the moms, you know, and our children, you know, that's our responsibility to love, care and nurture them and then to see them go. And, you know, unfortunately, that mental disorder that is, it's a disease and it's once it's gone and then you add the alcohol and the drugs, I mean, it's like their mind's not their own. Um, I have a brother that's bipolar schizophrenia and when he's not on medication, it's, I don't want anything to do with him. He's like totally out of control and very angry and, and um, lashes out and very aggressive. So it's really difficult. Um, you know, that dynamic has an effect on everyone in the family. Um, and, you know, I, I know in your um, application, you had said that you, he had been in and out of hospitals. You had done everything you could possibly could. What was like the experience while you were going through trying to help him going from hospital to hospital. And I imagine counselors and things like that. Um, like what did you ever figure out like disconnect was, or like if you could have gone back and done something differently, would you have been able to redo that? There really wasn't something that we could have done differently that caused it. I mean, they said the normal age of onset was any time between like, I think, like late teens and early twenties. So he was like right on the cusp of that beginning, it coming out and in a place where they could diagnose him. And it was really tough because everything they said was true in that first hospitalization where they said, you know, it could take years to get the right combination of medicines to control the symptoms. And even then they tend to go off their medications. And so after the first hospitalization, it was this quest for me to find him like the best doctor and therapist out there that actually had experience dealing with what he had. I was convinced that like, if we found the right people to surround him with um, for help, that he could live a normal life. And so it was this whole big quest. But what it turned out is that you know, he was resistant. He was resistant to going, you know, at that age of 17, he didn't want to go to a psychiatrist. He didn't want to go to a therapist. And, and eventually we did find the right combinations. It was three medications. Um, and when he didn't take them, he would get, he would get really paranoid and he would start having hallucinations and, and get suicidal again. So those were sort of like his biggest symptoms that would come out and I knew exactly which medicines he needed so you know over the years if he would call me and say like I'm feeling this I'd be like oh you're off this medicine like I knew because it was such this struggle to get the right combination but so many times he just went off the meds and you know found the drugs instead and it was it was really challenging and you know the beginning years the hospitalizations were all like kind of pushed towards him, not really him wanting it. In his later years, um, as a young adult, he actually, the, the several years before he passed away, he actually got help himself several times. He put himself in treatment programs, um, in a local detox a couple of times, and then did a a program over COVID that was virtual, but he had this wonderful counselor that he actually loved and he didn't want the program to end. And that was so different from his 
you know, teenage years where it was like, okay, we're going to the therapist, we're going to the psychiatrist, you know, we're going to do these things, we're going to go to the hospital. And um, it became, but it became a way of life. I mean, you know, the in and out of the hospitals and eventually in and out of rehabs, it, it, it just became a way of life. You know, if you can, if, you know, it's not that you like, it's not that you like it. It's just, you kind of adapt to it becomes the right. normal. Yeah. If it could ever be normal, because that takes the toll on your own emotional health. And, you know, just to like, like I said, to watch your own child have to struggle through all of that and not understand it. And then, you know, knowing the effects, did they, um, did they, was it something that was hereditary or something that was I'm like an onset because of um, the, just, you know, like something traumatic happened that caused it or. They actually did think that there was a hereditary link. So his, um, his uncle, his, his, it wouldn't be his, I don't know if it was his uncle or his great uncle. Um, but, but somebody on his dad's side of the family, um, had full blown schizophrenia. And so with schizoaffective, in case people don't know what that is, it's kind of a cross between schizophrenia and bipolar. So, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, you have like, you can have the hallucinations and the pair. Uh, paranoia of the schizophrenia um but you you can also have the 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 mood changes with the bipolar or you can have that the the psychotic or the mania and and you can also have the depression and so that's what it is and so yeah he had a a family a more distant family member that had the schizophrenia so that's that's what we thought um so you know it's hard to really know yeah and it must have been devastating. I mean, what was it like when you found out that he had, did he end up taking his life? No, um, he did not commit suicide. That we know for a fact. So unfortunately, the autopsy report was not super clear. And I was, I, luckily I had a um, really long conversation with the medical examiner. She was wonderful. She said that um, she felt that his death was uh, uh, resulting from um, alcoholism. And so because he, beside having a drug problem, he had an alcohol problem and he had been clean from drugs about six months before he died, but he was really drinking huge amounts of alcohol. And, and the thing is, is there were huge amounts of, um, empty bottles, uh, you know, in his room when he died, but there was no alcohol in his system. So he had, um, she said he had a condition in the autopsy report, a hyponatremia. And she said, it's like a, um, an imbalance. Um, and it can be related to, it can be caused by like, um, going through detox from, from alcohol, stopping alcohol, stopping drugs, and it can cause cells to swell, especially cells in your brain or cells in other organs. And that can result in death. So we don't know exactly. We just know he had this hyponatremia could have been caused, you know, he had all this alcohol in his there, but none in his system. So his body could have gone into some kind of a shock and a detox so we're not sure exactly yeah. what happened. I've heard about, yeah, I've, I've read articles about that um, in the past that a lot of, um, you know, like the addiction to heroin, when they get arrested and they put them in jail, if they don't properly detox, they can end up dying. And it's such a, you know, people are not aware of this. And um, I know one of um, the ladies I interviewed for the series, her son passed away from fentanyl 
overdose and she's in down in Florida, I believe. Yeah. Florida. And she's really starting, you know, trying to raise awareness about this because, you know, we, we know, but we don't know, we don't understand the effects and you can't just, you know, stop doing something without getting like the proper medical treatment and all to be sure that your body can handle it. Cause you know, we abuse our bodies with, I mean, with anything we put into it, like we have this processed food and we don't drink enough water and we don't get enough sleep. And we just, you know, my mom used to tell me you're burning the candle at both ends. <laughs> it's like, I don't care. You know, and you do, you get so um, emotionally hurt and, just in this sadness, uh, especially when you add the bipolar and this, you know, the other personality disorders and all of that, it, it's, it's really powerful things, what our mind does and how our body responds when we don't get the proper you know care, but then maybe we do get it and then it's too late or we're not consistent or whatever happens. And it's, it's just heartbreaking for families to have to go through that. So when you found out, um, you know, you, um, went on the healing journey just to process that grief. What, um, was the biggest challenge for you? I mean, I went through, I went through a lot. I mean, when I first found out it was, I think my body was just in shock. Um, and it took, it took some time for it to, for it to be real, for it to, I mean, I knew it happened on one level, but it, it didn't feel a hundred percent real. It's, it's hard to explain. It's, 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 um, it's kind of like you're living life, but you're just going through the motions and you're not really there. Yeah. That was how it felt immediately. Yeah. You're dumb. And, um, in the beginning days, I, the, the biggest thing that helped me in the very early stages was just being really gentle on myself and not pushing myself to do anything like not, not doing anything that I didn't feel like doing. And I really just took it easy. And um, maybe for the first time ever. Um, so I really just took it easy and gave myself whatever I needed. And I just, um, you know, I, I was in bed a lot, but not necessarily like in bed, you know, crying all of the time that the tears came on and off, but just, because my bed was comforting, my covers were comforting. It just felt warm and cozy and just, um, you know, just not pushing myself. And then, you know, the, the other things that, you know, it was kind of a journey then connecting with the next step was, you know, I spent a lot of time connecting with my other two kids, you know, they're in their twenties and, you know, they had a loss too. And so we all were going through the same thing. So even when I didn't feel up to seeing other people like friends, I could always see my other two kids because we had these shared memories, these shared beautiful memories and we would get together and we would talk about those memories and like we would temporarily get lost in those memories. And so for short moments, it, we would have this good feeling. And, um, and then eventually we started looking at the pictures together and I've got so many photos of, you know, them growing up and everything. And we've got so many memories and, um, and even, you know, I, as I started, you know, letting other people know or people found out and they reached out to me, but certain people in my life that had known my son, um, connecting with them, somehow I felt, um, connected 
to him more by connecting with people who actually really knew him, not just knew of him. Um, and so that was helpful and, um, connecting to him, figuring out like when he first died, um, I kept hearing his voice. Hey mom, it's Alex. Hey mom, it's Alex. And this had a significance when he was young adult and he, you know, lose his phone, drop his phone, end up in the hospital without his phone and call from a strange phone. So he'd say, hey, mom, it's Alex. And I kept hearing that voice constantly after he died until I figured out that he was trying to tell me what he was trying to tell me all those other times that I'm safe, I'm okay. And so that's what he, as soon as I figured out that went away. And so I talked to him every night though, every night before I go to bed, I talk out loud to him. Um, a few nights after the funeral, I could really feel his presence. And my dog was like, he was, he, I know he was with us in the room because my dog, like, I'm sure my dog saw him. She was like running in circles and figure eights for a long time. It was, it was so interesting. Um, but even though I don't feel his presence all the time now, I, I just talk to him every night. Um, and then the next level of what really started to help me was, um, Like, I just, I had this calling to sign up for this book writing course. And I've never done this before. And I didn't think I had the capacity to listen to any course or anything. But I did. I signed up and I listened and I decided to write a book. And that has been so healing for me. That has been, um, like, I'm writing a book. I'm sharing my story of the love and loss of my son. And so I'm going through basically kind of what I just told you know, we shared with you the journey that we took. Um, and because I hope to, by sharing this, um, to help other, other parents who are going through and, and know that, you know, you can navigate these challenges along the way with love and compassion. And you can't, you can go on after, after losing a child. And so, um, this book has become my passion. And then, um, the interesting thing is like, simultaneously I was like rethinking the whole meaning of my life like rethinking my purpose why am I here and I came up with wanting to take my coaching business in a new direction to coach parents of teens and young adults especially with mental illness and addiction and so it it just kind of came up that these two the coaching, the new direction with the coaching and my book coincided. And then I just felt totally aligned. And that's what motivates me every day is like working on these things. Um, because grieving is a process. Like you'll always be growing, you know, it's not like I'm going to get over losing him. Like I've lost him. My life is forever different. And, um, but through these two vehicles, it, it just gives me, so much meaning and purpose to just go on and to make my life feel more meaningful. And I still miss him so much. Um, it's not been long at all and it's, it's hard, but these two things help, help me tremendously. Yeah. And that it's so true. You never will stop grieving and, you know, it'll get easier you know, everyone says, well, as time goes by, it gets easier. I don't think it ever gets easier. I think it gets different, you know, because you have a different perspective and you learn and you like, you know, you, I said, like, you know, you talk to him every night and, you know, you can, you have the pictures, you have the memories and, you know, obviously it's your child. So you have that connection, you know, with him because he came from your room and, 
you know, just all of the things that you go through. And um, it's just so important to continue that grieving process and process it. And what a beautiful way to share that story in a book that's going to help others and just create that beautiful ripple effect. And I know drugs and alcohol are huge. I mean, they've really gotten our young people. And now, um, you know, you, you, you can't even be safe. I mean, you know, I know marijuana has been around for a long time, I mean, I know when I was growing up, it was safe. It was came out of the ground. It was just a plant and, you know, they would grind it up and smoke it. But now it's like they're adding stuff to it and kids are, you know, smoking it and it's got harmful things in it. And it's just like, no, this is, this has got to stop. And, you know, it's affecting our future generation. So what a powerful um, message for you to completely turn your coaching business around to help these women, these moms and these dads that are experiencing something similar. And, um, you know, maybe you can join force after the show. I'll share with you the persons that had the fentanyl experience and um, maybe you guys can collaborate. I don't know what, what state are you in? Absolutely. I'm in Virginia, but you know, I can, I know about the fentanyl. I mean, I almost lost my son at least four other times before he passed away. And those four other times were related to drug overdoses. And um, and the, I relate to the heroin story as well. He was addicted to heroin. So he was on something called Suboxone so that he would not use heroin. And um, so, yeah, it was, I mean, he, he, it was a big danger. I mean, there was some, there were times where, we didn't think he was going to make it and he was in the ICU yeah. or he was really pretty much just about not even going to make it to the hospital in the ambulance, them trying to revive him. So it was, we went through quite a lot during his lifetime with that. And it is unfortunate that a lot of these drugs out there are just so potent. And like you said about the fentanyl, it's become just a huge, huge problem. And, um, you know, not only do we almost lose him a few times, but he lost so many of his friends over the years, like, because a lot of his friends use drugs as well. And he lost a lot of them to fentanyl and heroin overdoses. So sad. I know my youngest is 24 and we were talking yesterday and he, he was talking about um, one, a, a girl he knew had passed away in the, a nearby town and I was like, wow, I said, this is like the third or fourth person you're in your age group that you've lost. I said, that's so sad. Um, you know, and I don't know the details around the death, but it's it's just really sad that these young people are, are their lives are ending when they're just at the prime of beginning their lives. So it's just so super sad. But thank you so much for sharing your journey. And um, what's the title of your book again? Oh, it's... Um... Finding my purpose amidst the tears, my journey of the love and loss of my son through his mental illness and addiction. And hopefully it will come out. I haven't, I haven't finished it yet. I'm still writing it. So um, hopefully I'll be done this year. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully towards the beginning of next year, but yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to, it's going to help so many. It's going to be a beautiful healing piece for others as well. What's the best way for people to get and connect, connect with you? Yeah. So they can reach me through my website at debbygalecoaching.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook, um, Debbie Gale coaching. I'm also on Instagram, Debbie Gale coaching, send me a message. Um, either of the, any of those would work. The uh, website will go right to my email. 
Okay, awesome. And we'll put those links in the description. So if you are listening to this and you would like to connect with Debbie, you have a loss of a child um, with this similar situation, or you know someone, please share this recording with them, connect with Debbie. Again, the links will be in the description. Really easy to find, debbiegalecoaching.com. So you can't forget that. Um, and thank you again, Debbie, for being here, for sharing your healing journey story. Um, and excited to see, to read your book once it does come out. Um, and I'm sure that will be posted on your website as well. Um, so remember, if you know someone that can resonate with this, with Debbie's story, please share this with them. Um, and if you have any questions, reach out, connect with her, send Debbie a message. Healing is so important. When we reveal, we heal. And as Debbie had shared, processing, grieving, it's never going to stop. It's always going to be with you, but you're going to have different reactions as you process those emotions. You know, if thoughts were a person that came knocking on the door, would you let them in? Instead of repelling your thoughts, you want to receive them and work through them because what we reveal heals. Mindset is the crux of all that we do. It's a matter of the heart.